This year, part of life is reading through the story of God together. And just recently, we have come to the part of the story where we find King Saul chasing David. From one part of Israel to the next, I mean, he is in pursuit. Because if you've read it, you, you know the story. David has been declared to be the next king. But Saul is currently king, therefore he wants no part of this. Saul's mission is to try to end David's reign before it ever begins. So remember the questions that we're asking today. Is this season opportunity? Is this season preparation? You talk about being in a difficult season, David is running for his life. But there are some lessons that I think we can learn from David that will be incredibly important for us today. Let's pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 24. There is an incredible story given here. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1, this is how it reads. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. And so the scripture says that Saul gets 3,000 of his chosen men, and after David they go. Let's pick it up in verse 3. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Yeah, it says that. David and his men were far back in the cave. It's a comical place in the story. Saul is the king, but he's also human, and that means every once in a while, even royalty has to go. And so the story is Saul is looking for a remote place where he can find a little privacy, right? It's a, it's a wilderness porta potty, if you will. We call it a cave. But of all the possible caves that Saul could pick, he chooses the cave where David and his few chosen men are hiding. Now, we could preach a whole sermon, and it's been done on this passage of, of the integrity and the honesty of David. He could have taken Saul out in that moment. You got to read the story if you haven't read it. He could have ended this whole chase, but David would not do. God, God had put Saul in place for now, and David was not interesting, interested in moving faster than God. But where I want to focus on today is maybe an unexpected place. I want to focus on the cave. These aren't just any caves. These are the caves of En Gedi. Now, when we say the word En Gedi, if you've been with us for a few weeks, that triggers something with you because we looked at a psalm just a couple of weeks ago written by David that a lot of people believe he wrote during this exact time of being chased by Saul. And in that psalm, David talks about springs of living water in the middle of the desert. And we know it was those waterfalls at En Gedi. I showed you some pictures of those waterfalls of the oasis in the middle of the desert. Well, here, again, it says he's at En Gedi, and it talks about the caves. And so today I want to give you a little glimpse of the caves, right? So here, here is a picture at the side of one of those mountains, and, and you can see these caves. In fact, we're going to zoom it in a little bit for you. 
And now you can see that even better. I mean, it, it is, it is, you can see the holes in the side of this mountain. And when I say mountain, I really want you to get a perspective of this. Check that out. There's those caves. How in the world does anybody get in those? I mean, look at it. How in the world does anyone make use of those caves? And yet, I'm telling you, it was common for shepherds in the Middle East to rely on those caves to help shelter their sheep in the heat of the desert sun. And so in order to get in those caves, you, you had to have someone who was light on their feet. You had to be nimble and, and quick and balance had to be right. I mean, you needed to be someone who had spent years navigating, helping those sheep into those caves. Anybody remember what David was when we first met him in God's story? A shepherd. David was a shepherd. And so is it any wonder then we've got King Saul with 3,000 men who are chasing down David here at En Gedi, but David continues to be able to evade them. He's able to maneuver. He's always a step ahead. He's, he's always just out of reach. He's in this cave, and then suddenly he's in this cave. It's almost as if God had been preparing David all along for such a moment as this. Hmm. I told you last week, God never calls you to a purpose that he doesn't prepare you for. And I told you last week, God is always out front. That's what we see uh, taking place here in the life of David. But, but come on, I'm guessing that there were probably countless times that David is shepherding the sheep. And as a kid, he's thinking, when is this gonna be over? I mean, I, I, do I have to be the one who's the shepherd when his other brothers are out doing the, the various things? He's like, I, I am meant for more than this. I can't wait to get out of this season of my life. But now I wonder, with Saul in hot pursuit, did it become clear to David that God had a purpose in all of that? An opportunity, preparation. Well, we don't have to wonder whether or not David understood that or not because when you flip to the book of 2 Samuel, we actually get the evidence. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, David sings this incredible song. He sings this song that goes like this. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Listen to him. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn, horn represented power, strength, horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and savior. From violent people, you save me. David is singing. And it says that he's singing in regards to how God has delivered him even from the hand of Saul. But I want you to watch where David takes this. And we jump to verse 34. Just listen to this piece. David says, he, God, makes my feet 
like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand in the heights. David, numerous times as a shepherd, and now even as he runs through this wilderness, he had seen the deer of En Gedi. David knows what it's like to look up on that mountain and to watch those deer navigate those high places. They would jump from rock to rock, that they had incredible balance to stand on the, on the most narrow of surfaces. We know that these deer can actually even climb trees to get food. Their feet are amazing. And what David realizes is that God had prepared David's feet to navigate those same rocks, those same mountains, those same rocky places. Even when he was a shepherd, looking back, he realizes God was preparing him for that day. He doesn't call you to a purpose that he doesn't prepare you for. It's just sometimes it may not be the sort of preparation that we expected. And what's interesting to me when I hear David sing this song and when I hear him talk about his feet, it's interesting that in the song, David is no longer praying, God, will you get me off this mountain? God, will you remove the boulders from the path? God, will you make every path straight? That's not the way David talks anymore by the time we get to 2 Samuel. He's not asking God to remove all the barriers. He's not asking God that there be no more boulders in the way. He just realizes he should be thanking God and asking God for feet to navigate whatever is in the path. I think we would do well to learn from David especially in a season like we find ourselves, that it is worth pausing and maybe taking a little inventory of your life. We all have those days, weeks, months, seasons of our life where we just can't wait to get out of this. We just can't wait to get through this. We, we just can't wait to move past this to something better. When the truth is, when God is connected Sometimes those seasons in our life are absolutely necessary. They are absolutely intentional. I would imagine that there are some of you who have a story that you could look back in your life and maybe there was a time that you were without work. Uh, Whatever the circumstances would be, a company restructures, whatever happens, you are laid off, you lose a job, and suddenly you find yourself in a season of your life where there is no income. Some of you can look back on that season of your life and you would say, yeah, walking through that taught me how to live in a simpler fashion When there was nothing coming in, we had to learn how to be frugal and for a season of our life, we did it. 
Or, or maybe that was the season that it dawned on you that when God's word talks about the value of saving what you have, right? To put a little bit away in order for seasons, maybe that was the season in your life back there where that dawned on you, you began to practice that wisdom from God's word. And so today this is going on around us, but you, you practice that and there's something there. Maybe in that season you learned to focus on the things that were most important like your family. Maybe in that season you learned that God is faithful even when you couldn't see exactly what he was doing. Maybe in that season you learned that with God nothing is wasted. No struggle, no hurt. But with God there is all a purpose to redeem. What if this is opportunity? What if this is preparation? And if you can look back in your life and see how God was preparing you for a season now, then we should also acknowledge that that probably means that what's going on in the season now has something to do with how God is preparing us for the future. My point is, don't wish all those seasons away. No, we we want a virus gone. We want there to be healing. But I'm saying sometimes we rush through things so fast that we don't see the opportunity and we don't see the preparation. I am grateful for many of you who have have called us and said, hey, we want to respond by meeting needs however we can. We, we have gotten emails. We have gotten phone calls. We have people who have said, look, we're here. We want to help folks however we can help. We want to meet those needs. So some of you this last week were a part of making uh, masks for, for medical personnel. You were a part of helping to supply some of those things that they didn't have enough of. Some, some of you actually were a part of providing food this last week. You, you were starting to, to bring food to say, hey, if folks are needing help, this is something that we want to be a part of. Some of you are, are bringing assistance to, to the elderly, some who are confined to their homes. I've, I've heard stories of people who you have groups of people that you are calling every every single day to check on them and to to make sure that they are okay. I'm saying that's what we do in these kinds of seasons. We see them as opportunity. We see them as preparation. We say, God, we want to respond by meeting the needs around us. Some of you are responding by making connections. You really are putting into play what we started to talk about last week, like walking through our neighborhood. I thought about this, this this week. Anybody remember last year? We went old school for a season. I introduced you again to a guy named Mr. Rogers, and we did a series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And in that series, we felt like God was challenging us to make a list of our neighbors. You remember that? We even supplied, right, a list so that you could write down their names. And our prayer was that we could start to learn more about our neighbors so that eventually we could get to their heart. Because what we felt like God was telling us is that we need to build relationships with our neighbors because sooner or later, a day comes in everybody's life when they are looking for hope. Here we are. If you haven't looked at that list on your fridge in a while, I want to challenge you to look again. 
I want to challenge you that as the weather gets warmer, that you get outside a little bit. And um, the more you interact, which is what I'm finding in our walking the neighborhood, every day we walk, and it's kind of odd. Some of us have talked about this. We're starting, we see some of the same people. Same people who will be out in their yard working or sitting on a front porch or kids are playing ball. And no, we're not interacting. We don't shake hands, all right? We don't get close. We're keeping the distance, but the conversations are happening. And it's interesting that we are repeating to, we're seeing some of the same people. And my point is, could this be an opportunity that the more that happens, it gets really natural to just eventually be able to say to them, hey, you know what, if there's anything that our family can do for your family, if at any point you're out of something, you need something, we can get something for you. You know what, I, I know for us, every once in a while, just you know, knowing somebody's praying, if there's anything we could ever pray for, most everybody's okay with you praying for them. I'm working on some sort of little card, something, I'm thinking business card size, something that I could print and actually carry with me. And whether it's a neighbor on a walk or whether it's, you know, the person who's helping at the grocery store or wherever some of those, right, essential jobs are still being filled and you're seeing people who are working hard and it's a, it's a chance to get to thank them for what they do. And maybe I'm thinking about a little card to just put in their hand to say, hey, on the back is my name and my number. And just honestly, if I can ever pray for you in some way, or if there's anything that I can do to help you. And then on the other side, points them toward the website, heartoflife.org, a place where you really can be prayed for, a place where people will do their best to, to meet the needs in your life. I, I, I'm thinking about something like that. I, I, I don't know. This week, we're gonna figure it out. I don't know if we can order them because half the, right, half the stuff is closed. So I don't know if you can order a card. We may have to build them and print them. I don't know. I just know that we're in a day where we got to act now. We got to act now. We want to meet the needs in people's lives. But can I tell you something? They don't know that. They don't know that. We as the church, it's like we're primed and we're ready and we're like, look, we'll help however you want us to. But my point is the world doesn't know that. And they're not just going to call the church. The only way they're going to know is through you and me. And guys, that's how it was supposed to be all along. The problem is there have been times that we have relied so much on the most powerful piece on the board. We have relied on the Sunday gathering, the weekend gathering. That, that, that is where we can send people if they need help. Right? That, that is where we hope people can connect and hope that they'll know. They'll, they'll hear the preacher talk about needs that, that, that the church is willing to meet. We, we have used the most powerful piece that for right now is not on the board. We want to meet the needs of people around us, but they don't know it. The only way they're going to know it 
is if we rediscover the other pieces on the board. And that means you and me. My prayer is that God would teach us in this season that each of us is supposed to be a reaching point. Each of us is called to be the missionary. Each of us is a piece on that board. But I also just have to be honest with you today. I don't know how else to do this if we're going to actually meet the needs in people's lives then the church is going to have to become known for what it was known for from the very beginning, generosity. I don't know how else to do this. Now, apparently, when you read about the early church, they might have been stockpiling supplies, but what what I read is they weren't stockpiling supplies in order to take care of themselves. The the stockpiling of supplies was so that they could give away to, to anyone who had need. My prayer in this season is that God would strengthen one of those pieces on the board that that I think for too long we just don't realize that it plays a significant role. But here we are, that the queen is off the board. If we're going to meet the needs, it's going to take something very intentional about God's people being generous. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. Some of you may be without work right now. There's, There's no income coming in. And what I want you to hear from me is I'm asking you to, to, to let us together, let's walk through this. Let us be a part of, of helping however we can in your family's life, knowing that eventually you're going to be, become a part of helping in, in other people's lives. But, but there are some of us who are, are still working. There are some who still have jobs. You can work from home. There's still an income. Some of you are, are out there on the front lines. There, there's still an income. I want to encourage us to continue giving because I'm telling you the opportunity is greater to meet needs right now than perhaps any other time in our lifetime. There's one more piece that I really want to highlight this morning. A piece that we see from David's life and I think it's crucial if we're going to do any of what we just described. I'm going to make the statement to you, and then I'm going to show you the scripture, and then we're going to come back to the statement. So if you don't get the whole statement in the beginning, just hold on because we're going to revisit it. But here's, here's the statement. Even the strongest of leaders must be intentional to strengthen each other in Christ by reminding each other of the promises of God. It's a big statement. Let me show you why I'm making it and then we'll revisit it again. I want you to show you something from David's story that happens before what we read at the beginning of our time together. The whole chase as, as Saul is going after David at En Gedi, there's something that happens before all of that that is really significant. It's highlighted in 1 Samuel chapter 23. Verse 15 reads this way. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. 
And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. Here's what I want you to see. Even the strongest of leaders. We're we're talking about David here. That's who's in this picture. David, he he is a warrior. He, he He is strong enough to be a king. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And yet what we see is that David needs people close to him. He needs people close to him. I I wanna challenge you today, don't ever think that you are so strong that you do not need to be strengthened in God. And I don't want you to ever think that anyone is so far above you that you can't be God's instrument to give them strength. Even the strongest of leaders, if David needed this, we need this. Even the strongest of leaders must be intentional. The, the story here, is, it says, Jonathan, he goes to David and David wants to meet with him. This is not if the opportunity presents itself. This is not if we happen to run into each other. This is not an accidental meeting. This is two men who understand they need someone close. Even the strongest of leaders must be intentional to strengthen each other in Christ. Jonathan doesn't go to David and and work on David's self-confidence. That's not what it says. He goes to help him find strength in God. That is the difference when a group of Christians meet versus when any other right, help group might meet. Our point is not self-help. Our point is Jesus. Even the strongest of leaders must be intentional to strengthen each other in Christ by reminding each other of the promises of God. Jonathan goes to David and he says, David, Saul's not gonna get to you, man. You are going to be the king and even Saul knows it. Now, my question to you is, what's Jonathan doing here? Is this like pep talk? Is this pep talk for his friend, right? Is this the power of positive thinking? Hey, this is going really south for David, so he needs somebody to just speak something positive into his life to get him to believe. No, that's not what Jonathan is doing. What Jonathan says here, Jonathan didn't come up with. Jonathan is just repeating what God had already spoken into David's life, that David would be king. I want to challenge all of our existing life teams. We need you to be at full force right now. I need you to be intentional 
I need you to be aggressive. I need you to be persistent. I need you to be consistent. I want to challenge you to call your team to meet. You say, Jeff, we can't actually meet right now in case you didn't know that. No, we can. No, we can. Because we are blessed to have multiple options that technology can be used. I get it. It's not the ideal. It's not we want what we, we want to do for the rest of our lives. But come on, can you imagine if we didn't have this, but we do have this? And there are so many different platforms that, that you could possibly use to be able to see each other, to be able to talk to each other. I get it. It's technology. Sometimes it doesn't work. Okay. But that doesn't mean we quit. We, we got to stay at this, and especially right now. I get it that sometimes I think we view life teams as sort of this optional thing in our life. And I'm not saying that you can't be a Jesus follower, and if you're not in a life team, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is God has clearly said having a group of people close in your life, just like we see David needs Jonathan, this is essential. I think what we've done for a long time is we've just picked backed on the queen and we've always been able to show up on Sunday and we can see each other and we can interact a little bit but all of a sudden the queen is off the board and I'm saying but God has given us some other pieces that he really wants to grow he really wants to show us how powerful this can be we need existing life teams to go after this because No matter how strong you think you are, you need each other. Somebody needs you, and you need somebody. I want to make an appeal to those of you who who may not currently be in a life team. What a great time to become part of one. I mean, in, in a funny way, it's like, kind of the least threatening moment to do that because you don't, you're, you're not right now actually physically setting foot in anybody's home or whatever. I, I want to encourage you, go, go on the website. You, you can uh, let one of our campus pastors know. You, you can in any way that you want to, to say, hey, I, I want to be a part of a group of people that is, that is connecting right now on a, on a regular basis to be able to talk about what we're going through for us to remind each other of the promises of God, who he's called us to be as the church. It matters. It matters. More than ever, it matters. And it's time to strengthen the other pieces on the board. Even without a building, We are the church, perhaps more than ever right now, we are the church. Remember the story of those Christians in Egypt? It was decreed that for nine years they were not allowed to gather. The end of that nine years came to be because one evening the caliph went for a little stroll through one of the streets of the city where many of the Christians lived. And as he walked those streets, he began to hear something surprising. 
he heard singing and he heard praying coming from the windows of every single one of those houses. And it is recorded in history what he declared at that time. This is what he said, open their churches again and let them pray as they please. I wished to close a church in every street, but today I discovered that when I made this decree, a church was opened in every home. And you know what? I believe that's a part of what God wants to do right now with his church. Don't get me wrong. I so look forward to the day when we can meet again. I so look forward to the day where we can be in a room together and we can hear each other's voices and we can, we can sing praise to our God. But, but let's not rush through this time without realizing what God might be doing, pushing the pause button, wanting us to consider that if we can look back in our lives and realize that he was preparing us for this day, then maybe he's also doing something in this day that is preparing us for the days to come the doors of the building may need to be shut right now but the church is just as alive as it has ever been what the world needs to hear right now while the queen is off the board is it needs to hear from the windows of every house your house, my house. It needs to hear the people of God who continue to praise him. It needs to hear the song of the people of God as they are ministering to people on their street, people where they work, people, people who, who are serving them along. They need to hear the song of God that we are willing to serve and we are willing to love and, and we are willing to do whatever it takes for you to know the hope who is in Jesus. And if we let God strengthen what he's called us to strengthen right now, then one day when the queen is reinstated, we will see how much more powerful God intended his church to be. Let's lean in. Let's learn what God would have us do. And I believe we will find at the end of this, the church was not canceled. The church was activated. God, we don't like this. <laughs> we don't like this season where we can't be in the same place together. God, we can't physically, God, we can't shake hands right now and, and hug and God, we miss that. But God, as we move through this, will you help us not to wish it away so quickly that we miss what beautiful things you might want to be doing in each of our hearts and each of our lives and certainly in your church. 
God, I'm praying that you'd give us a boldness. God, give, give us a boldness, God, for life teams right now to gather and to meet and to realize the value that you place there. God, for those who are not yet a part of those groups, I'm praying that, God, you'd give us courage to take that step, God, that, that we would become a part. God, if, if David and Jonathan needed that, then we certainly do. God, will you continue to push us to see our place? We are the missionaries. God, we are supposed to be the points of contact. God, the, the message of the New Testament is not simply come to the building and hear, but the message of the New Testament is that we are called to go and tell. So God, would you fire in your people right now? God, the recognition that there are people all around us who are looking for hope. God, there are people all around us who have need. God, will you give us ears to hear and give us eyes that can see and give us feet. Give us feet to navigate the rocky places. God, that whatever is required of us in this season, you, our God, can give us feet to walk this out in a way that ends with you being seen as the greatest of all. God, will you bless your church so that your great name may be blessed in all the earth. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen.